0: Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media.
1: I'm film scholar and cold-blooded jelly donut, Noella Croix. And I'm story expert with the good lowdown tickle, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Beauty and the Beasts, the fourth episode of season three. Beauty and the Beasts aired on
0: October 20th, 1998, and was written by Marty Knoxon and directed by James Whitmore,
1: Jr., All right. So before we get into this today, I do want to talk a little bit about the content of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Beauty and the Beast deals with relationship violence, and it doesn't do it particularly well. So before we get started today, there's a few things that we need to say. One, this episode and the ensuing discussion may be triggering for some listeners. Please make the choice to continue based on what's best for your mental and emotional health. Choosing not to engage with something because it's hard for you is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength and self-knowledge. This episode, isn't going anywhere. You can deal with it if and when the time is right. Two, if you are a victim of any type of relationship violence, it is not your fault and what they do is not your responsibility. That is their responsibility. Three, while most depictions of relationship violence are highly gendered, he hits her, that is not always the case. Relationship violence is gender neutral, and if a person who is not male is the perpetrator, that doesn't make it any less horrible or damaging, and you are not somehow weaker as their victim. Also, the constant representation of how it's so cute when a woman slaps a man is not okay. It's not cute. It is violence. Four, the number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. You can call and they will help you. They will talk to you and they can connect you with other resources that can help you. If you are the victim of relationship violence, it is not your fault and it is not your shame. I have called the Domestic Violence Hotline, and they were personally helpful to me. If you're experiencing relationship violence, you can call them too. It's okay. But if you can't do it today, that's okay too. Tomorrow exists for a reason. Just keep the number handy in case you need it.
0: That's right. Take really good care of yourselves. You know what's best for you right now. We are going to talk about this episode and also anything else that might happen in the entire run of Buffy, so if you haven't seen the show keep that in mind if you're spoiler sensitive maybe this is not the podcast for you
1: we like you anyway absolutely and when you're done with the show when you've watched it all come back it'll be worth it yeah it'll be so great (laughs) okay time's up rules change
0: let's go on patrol
1: In Beauty and the Beast, it's the three days around the full moon, and it's the Scooby's job to keep Oz in the cage. Willow asks Xander to keep an eye on Oz for one freaking night so she could freaking study and sleep before a big test. And when a student is found mauled, we don't know that it wasn't Oz because of this bullshit. Oh, not to freak. I,
0: I rest in my eyes now and then. That's all.
1: How long exactly did you rest your eyes for?
0: A little now, uh, a little then. But I never heard Oz leave, and he was here in the morning when I, um, when I woke up. You can put it that way if you want to, Mr. Technical. Buffy has to go see Mr. Platt, the school counselor, to talk about what she did last summer. She tells him an abbreviated version of what happened, and he tells her that still loving a bad person is normal, but eventually you have to let it go. In the library, the Scoobies are gathered to try to figure out what happened, and whether or not the mauler is Oz.
1: We could ask Faith to watch over it. Oh, you're having a slayer watch me? Oh, good we're not overreacting. That night, while patrolling, Buffy comes across a feral Angel. They fight, and she knocks him out. She drags Angel to the mansion and chains him to the wall while she inspects the outline of his body burned into the floor as he snarls and snaps at her, little more than an animal. Meanwhile, badass Willow breaks into the morgue to inspect the body of the kid who got mauled, with Xander and Cordelia coming along to quote-unquote help while she gathers evidence. Okay! Scarred for life! Oh, God!
0: Willow, how can you stand it?
1: Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, this guy is pretty barf-worthy.
0: Uh, Can't we be elsewhere? Uh, you know, his, his eyes cleared or what, huh? I'm not sure. I mean, there are a lot of incised wounds, but they could be from anything. Buffy goes to the library ostensibly to relieve Faith from watching Oz, but really it's so she can spend the evening researching to find out what's going on with Angel. In the morning, Giles finds Buffy asleep over books about demons and a Cothla, and has some questions. Buffy says she had a dream about Angel, and she asks him what Angel would be like if he managed to come back to Sunnydale after experiencing hundreds of years of torments in a demon dimension
1: take someone of extraordinary will and character to survive that and uh, retain any semblance of self most likely he'd be a monster willow comes in with donuts and news that her morgue inspection was not conclusive she does not know what killed the kid they found Buffy has lunch with gross Scott Hope and his stupid friends, Pete and Debbie. And first he criticizes her food choices, and then when she says she's not feeling great because she had a rough night, he tells her that it doesn't matter how she feels because she's looking fine. And shut up, Scott Hope, you unctuous punk. Buffy escapes to go see Angel, who snarls and growls while chained to the wall, and even as a potentially murderous fiend who killed her friends, is still a better guy than Scott frickin' Hope. Buffy returns to school to talk to Platt about Angel coming back since she can't tell Willow or Giles. Platt sits in his chair with his back to her and listens really well, mostly because he's dead and can't say anything. I just, I need to talk to someone. I'm so scared. It's this guy. He...
0: He's come back. Back at school, Pete and Debbie go into a janitor's closet to make out, and he sees that a jar full of glowing green liquid is almost empty. Turns out it's his jar full of stuff that makes him super manly, and Debbie poured it down the sink. Pete freaks out and morphs into a big, veiny because it turns out that some people think you can't take a patriarchy message too far, and attacks Debbie, and guess what? It turns out stupid Pete is the murderous beast in this episode. Meanwhile, Giles talks to the coroner about Platt and gets some good
1: news. But he did confirm that Platt was killed shortly before Buffy found him. Which means that he was killed during the day. Yes! Sorry, I I got... I've just been... It's horrible, horrible. Debbie borrows Oz's AP bio notes, and he sees her black eye and asks if she's okay. Pete watches from the shadows, looking jealous. So, eh, that's not good. Oz goes back to the library and puts the victims together. They were all connected to Debbie. Buffy makes the connection to Pete, and they all rush off to find both Pete and Debbie. Oz locks himself in the cage. Buffy and Willow find Debbie in the bathroom, and after a nice little bout of victim-blaming, they demand that Debbie help them find Pete. Meanwhile, at the mansion, Angel gets free from his chains. In the library, Pete attacks Oz and pulls the door off the cage. As Pete is beating up Oz, the sun goes down. Time's
0: up. Rules change. Oz goes all wolfy and attacks Pete. Giles, Buffy, Willow, and Faith show up in the library. Pete runs off in one direction, Oz in the other. Faith takes the trank gun and goes after Oz with Willow, and Buffy chases Pete. Pete finds Debbie in the janitorial closet, goes all veiny penis face, and starts to beat her up. Buffy comes in and finds Debbie knocked out, and he starts to beat Buffy up. But then Feral Angel comes in all vamped out and kills Pete, saving Buffy. He devamps and sees Buffy falling to her feet and holding her and crying. Buffy. <sighs> <sighs>
1: oh yeah and then buffy comforts got fucking hope after stupid friend tried to kill her so arg the patriarchy oh we're opening (laughs) this week we are opening it's our podcast we can do whatever we want we can pull stuff from the end and put it in the beginning but there's so
0: much i mean come on Mm -hmm. come on like the whole episode is just patriarchy on patriarchy on patriarchy, starting with Xander being the fucking worst. <laughs> I know <laughs> I had a I had a couple nice things to say about Xander a couple weeks ago, and you know what? Mm-hmm. Redacted because Xander Redacted. comes in and he's like, "Oh, I can handle the us full Monty, not handle handle." And it's just like, Ugh. really, really like, oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Do we? I mean- no, no. I'm not gay. Oh no, yeah. and that's funny because whatever yeah because because why because patriarchy because
0: exactly. i'm serious i mean homophobia and the patriarchy are like best best buds yes Yeah. so oh and then and then turning right around and freaking out about willow having seen the oz half monty which... right
1: <laughs> right and you know what xander It's none of your business how much of Oz Willow has or has not seen, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Just that whole thing.
0: It's just, it's just, and then, well, I mean, we'll get into Xander. Well, (laughs) Xander, Xander will get his own section separate Mm -hmm. from the patriarchy, but fucking worst. Really, man. I mean, seriously. So, so the, the, the thesis statement for this episode really seems to be Faith's low opinion of men
1: which i'm mm-hmm. guessing
0: is based on experience? Um, well certainly some experience
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean
0: her so her her theory her <laughs> assertion is that yes. all men have a monster inside them right i mean and mm-hmm. like faith has been around the block and kicked a few gear shifts in her time so i trust that she has a large data set for her research Absolutely. But what I don't <laughs> love about the yes, all men line of thinking is that it's really easy to slide into the, well, they can't help it. They're just animals deep down line of thinking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I co sign that super hard. I mean, while most of our implicit societal messaging is damaging to a lot of people without also giving them power, it doesn't mean that the messaging to mend that we empower with a lot of our societal message is necessarily like helpful or healthy. Uh, boys and men are constantly told that they're just little brutes who can't help what they do. And while it does take away their responsibility for their behavior, which is, you know, hello patriarchy, it also requires them to like seriously look at and reject the premise in order to lead, you know, fulfilling human lives. And looking at these messages and rejecting the premise is freaking hard, which is why we end up getting these things like internalized misogyny, you know, because this is what we're taught. And so there are certain things that the patriarchy a lot of things that the patriarchy does that are damaging also to men and also relieves them of responsibility boys will be boys it's not that a man raped a woman it's that a woman got raped you know Um, the way we use our language speaks very much to this like wanting to take the responsibility off of men but at the same time that's incredibly damaging messaging for men and boys that they're just monsters they're just brutes you know and that's not true
0: and that that girls and women are just supposed to allow it mm-hmm. there there's just there's nothing they can do you know men just are the way they are that's just how they are and you just have to put up with right. it and i mean even like even oz plays mm-hmm. into this gendered idea um when he says you know, bailing in the middle of a conversation is dramatic but sometimes a necessary guy thing. Like I don't think we've seen Oz really play into some of the gendered, you know, bullshit. Yeah. Um, until mm-hmm. that moment. And I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it whatever. It's not a right, guy. Right, exactly. And the thing is, like, that's not a guy thing. That's a person thing. <laughs> that's Every a- now and again, people have to say something dramatic and leave. You know? It's a human I mean, thing.
0: It's, it's a, a human, human thing. thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I
1: do, you know, I do
0: think it's it's important to point out with Oz that he does the right thing. Like he wants yes. to storm out angrily, but then mm-hmm. Willow, you know, looks at the clock yeah. and he goes and locks himself in the cage. Like it's very much It's very much... He knows that he's got this... Mm -hmm. He's got this uncontrollable animal inside of him, but he's still... And he's angry and hurt, Mm -hmm. but he's still going to protect himself and the people around him. Right.
1: So Exactly. Yeah. I
0: don't know. I mean, I have feelings. I have feelings about... (laughs) have so many feelings about Oz. Oz gives me Express feelings. Express
1: your feelings, but honey. We,
0: okay, so we have this really pointed edit. It feels very pointed to me. Mm-hmm. From animal yes. angel chained up in the mansion to werewolf Oz caged up in the library. Mm-hmm. And it seems to draw a parallel between the two, and maybe it's foreshadowing the return of angel angel since we know that right. Oz will become himself again. Mm-hmm. But these are our only... like. These are our two, like, real good guy, guy characters.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're
0: literal monsters. And we're just cool with that. (laughs) Right. It's so, it's such an odd thing to me that, like, the male characters, two of these male characters that we're really rooting for. Yeah, and like really, really fond of at this point mm-hmm. are literal
1: monsters, and that's yeah. just okay. And we don't do that with women no. anywhere near. I mean, we had Drusilla, you yeah, know, and there's some Darla, right? Yeah. Um, but when you if you look at the number of monsters that are men and the number that are women, um, it is vastly i mean even in our extras you know even in our like you know uh, like it's always like there's a bunch of men and then there's like one woman if we've got like a crew of vampires or whatever yeah um but almost almost always i would say i you know off the top of my head i would say it's like you know maybe 10 15 percent women (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it might be more than that. I haven't gone through and done an exhaustive examination. But mostly when we see this, there's this animal inside, there's this monster inside. It's men.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Darla and Drusilla, and they both mm-hmm. maintain their femininity, even mm-hmm. as even as monsters, like they're still allowed to be. I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say it's like they're still beautiful as monsters, but they're still mm-hmm. obviously girls yeah like they're monstrous yeah. girls whereas mm-hmm. i don't know that we we see that with male characters now i know mm-hmm. that you know someone out there like in the discord chat is a monster expert and we're right. <laughs> gonna like hit me with all of the examples of like monstrous female characters mm-hmm. i mean the only female monsters i can think of are villains i mean we had praying mantis lady
1: Mm hmm. Right. And both Darla, and, uh, both Darla and, Drusilla and Drusilla are bad monsters. Right. Yeah. Um. And we're not making that that connection that, you know, like all men have a monster inside of them. Now, granted, you know, Faith says this and that's definitely her thesis and her idea. I think it's something that she needs to believe. Yeah. You know, I think it's something that and when you want to believe something, then your data set is going to reflect it. Sure. You know, like you'll find a way to make that work for you. Um, But but I mean, it is it is, I think I, and I actually kind of like I, I wish it was dealt with better. But I mean, I kind of like that that idea is called out explicitly, you know, this idea that all men are monsters, which we mm-hmm. know is not really true. But the only good men, aside from. Giles although Giles has that history (laughs) yeah like I mean he was Ripper he's he's a dangerous guy and we're going to see him get more dangerous as we go we're going to see that darkness come out in him a lot more Mm -hmm. you know but it's it's men almost always have some element of of monster in them yeah you know I mean look at Scott Hope for fuck's sake um Sorry. Um, anyway. Um, I we'll, love we'll that get... you have
0: this bone to, like, this forever bone to pick with Scott Hope. Oh, You're God, like, I, hate why? Hope. Why? I hate
1: Scott Hope. But, I hate Scott Hope. We'll yeah. do this again with Riley. We'll do it again with Parker Abrams. <laughs> but I got to tell you, fucking hate Scott Hope. <laughs> he's He's been here for two episodes. I think we got one more with him, and it's way too long. Yeah, it's, it's too much Scott Hope. <laughs> Any um, Scott Hope is too much Scott yeah,
0: Hope. Yeah, I mean, and we get this weird, like, So Scott Scott has these friends, Pete and Debbie, and it's like two-thirds of the way through the episode before we find out about the Pete-Jekyll-Hyde situation. Yeah. And I mean... Because we're not
1: interested in that. We're yeah. talking about Beauty and the Beast. We're talking about Willow and Oz. And we're talking about Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Right. And so and the idea that either Oz or Angel could be the one who's killing people. But yeah, right. like we see we see Pete and Debbie in the early, you know, um, scene like for a little bit with <laughs> Scott Hope. And um, and we're so horrified by Scott Hope that we don't really notice them that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're just sort of fine. They're just kind of fine. They're just there talking and whatever. But then, I mean, I feel like. All of a sudden, like we introduce we introduce Pete's Jekyll Hyde experiment. And suddenly, like, he's got the abuser speak on lock, you know, blaming Debbie. You shouldn't make me angry. You know what Mm -hmm. happens and so on. And the scene ends with her comforting him, which I know is part of the pattern of abuse. I know it's part of the Mm -hmm. cycle of abuse. And it's just like I did the the patriarchal bullshit of all of it yes. just like really really gets me um mm-hmm. especially especially when it comes to the character of debbie and mm-hmm. how the episode portrays her and how it deals with her and especially how buffy responds to
1: her uh yeah i
0: mean you know what works don't get hit Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Wha? Like, mm-hmm. way to blame the victim, Buffy. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. then she goes on to blame Debbie and her, her silence, which, you know, is... Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, comes from fear (laughs) which comes from earned fear I mean she has a reason to be afraid and she has a reason to need to believe that he's a decent person inside like that is a horrible thing to realize that the person that you love is a monster that is a really difficult thing to deal with and people who deal with abuse have to find a way to reckon with that Um, in ways that that are very complicated and take a long time to get out. But also there's this moment where Willow says, I think we broke her, and Buffy says, oh, she was already broken. Yeah. As though she was broken and it was her fault that Pete chose her because she was broken, you know? Yeah, or Um, that or yeah. that
0: there's something like she's unredeemable like she's There's something un-
1: essentially wrong with her yeah. that makes this her fault. Well and you know? and
0: makes it okay when he kills her. Yeah. Like if she was already broken whether it right. was by Pete or it was before Pete got to her mm-hmm. well since she's already broken it's fine that she's murdered. Like that right. there's something so just icky icky mm-hmm. icky about Debbie. And I mean, I and I feel like I, I hurt for her because she protects Pete until the very end, you know, and she yeah. comes to him and she says, she almost shot you. Did you see I stopped her? Mm-hmm. You know, and meanwhile, we have, you know, Pete going all like he's just the embodiment of toxic masculinity. I mean, beating yeah. up Buffy, you know, all the same. Mm-hmm. You're all the same. Presumably he means women. Yeah. Um, And because, you know, because we don't have enough misogyny in this episode we like we're just running low on misogyny Mm -hmm. by the end one of the rumors is that pete took all his mother's birth control pills and that's what made him lose it
1: right because the patriarchy right i mean it's the fault of the vaginas vaginas are so dangerous man uh by the way i spent way too long
0: (laughs) looking up and geeking out about what would actually happen to someone who took an entire month's worth of birth control at once Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. It's more likely to make you sleepy and depressed than turn you into a monster. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's going to make you sleepy and depressed, and it's going to make your breasts hurt. That's what it's going to do. Yeah. so, you know, maybe maybe Pete was raging because his nipples were just so tender, you guys.
1: Like, I know. I don't. I can't. It's uncomfortable. I can't. I can't yeah. with the patriarchy. I can't. No, it's, it's so
0: gross. It's
1: bad stuff. And the thing is, is that, you know, like in Debbie and Pete, there actually is a fairly true to life representation of how this kind of relationship violence works. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, Because abuse feels like love, you know? I mean, they they feed you the poison and then they give you the cure, you know? They hit you or abuse you in mental and emotional ways and then turn around and I love you, I love you. And the relief of that feeling in a cycle builds up and it feels like love, but it's not love. And it takes a really long time for victims of that cycle, you know? To break themselves out of it and to work their way out of it. And so like Debbie being where she is comforting him when, you know, he's like, you know how I get, this is your fault. Right. That's actually fairly true to the experience, you know? Um, and just her relief that he's back and that he's not going to hit her, you know, is overwhelming. And that is a huge and like somewhat addictive emotional experience, you know, the relief afterward. Um, and so all of this together like is fairly but i think where where my problem comes in not so much in the way that debbie is is depicted and the way that the relationship is depicted but in the way buffy treats her yeah uh, the way buffy treats her in that moment is um is really really um problematic it is um a completely blaming her for it which is uh which is exactly what Pete did yeah it's your fault you know how I get yeah you know yeah and with Buffy it's your fault you should have told somebody yeah. you should have stopped it. people are you know? dying like, that's
0: not people are dying right. and it's your fault because yeah you know. it is not yeah, her no. fault it is
1: his fault yeah you know and I mean so having Buffy treat her like that having our titular heroine Set this, like, you know, when your hero says something, that's what you believe is right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, unless we're doing something where we've got a dark hero and we're showing them, you know, falling down a path or whatever, like if your hero is the good guy and they say something, then that is what the story is rubber stamping as the correct response. Right. And that is where I I have my full and full throated objection to that. Yeah. Um, It's it's not good.
0: Well, and. There's an opportunity here with Debbie and Pete Mm -hmm. and the way that, you know, I love actually that Buffy confronts her in the locker room and is looking at her, like they're looking at themselves in the mirror, Buffy's standing behind her. So Buffy, I mean, there's a huge opportunity here to have Buffy be talking to herself as much as she's talking to Debbie about, you know, loving someone who... Yeah, because she just went through
1: that with Platt, right? He's a monster, but you still love him eventually. And then Platt's like, and eventually you have to get over that or you're just love's dog. You have to let it go. Yeah.
0: But Buffy, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't seen a lot of Buffy really grappling with Angel having done a lot of horrible things to hurt the people around her. I mean, we get that from, we get it from Xander, you know, when he says you just you know you want to forget about jenny's murder because you want your boyfriend back but mm-hmm. we don't right. we don't get a lot of really direct um moments of buffy confronting her own feelings about that you know the not just right. not just you know she loved this man and then he changed and got mean she loved mm-hmm. this man he changed and got mean and people died
1: yeah yeah, and and I think that in this scene, like if there had been some clarity that that was what we were doing, that this was again like, um, uh, and I only have eyes for you, exactly. right? That this was yeah. Buffy talking to herself, Buffy feeling this way about herself, right? We could have combated that by having Willow say Buffy. You know, and like, this is not her fault. Yeah. Like, this is not, you know, and if we had Willow saying that, and then Buffy has a moment of realization that she's talking to herself again, that this is her feelings about herself. Yeah. I think that that could have worked. That could have worked really well, because, Mm -hmm. of course, we do
0: have Buffy in this episode grappling with Animal Angel. I mean, Angel is back. We saw that at the end of the last episode. Um, Mm -hmm. I have so many questions. He, he, uh... He dried off and got himself some pants, but yeah, and boots. Yeah, got
1: some magical pants. Magical pants, sure. Cool. Mm-hmm. No shirt, but you know, because yeah, yeah, it's fine. Because standards and practices, right? You know, right. You get away with what you can get away with. You got to put some pants on. Them. Yeah, I mean, but, well, yeah. and this mm-hmm.
0: is this is the angel who. You know, has sex with Buffy, is losing his soul, puts on his entire (laughs) outfit
1: to go out into the alley.
0: (laughs) You know, so that's that might just be... Because he's
1: a gentleman, Noelle. That's why. (laughs) There could be women with very tender eyes out in that alley. He doesn't know. (laughs) Uh Uh But I love... I He's a gentleman's vampire. You Mm -hmm. know,
0: I love this idea that Buffy is... Again, grappling with her own feelings mm-hmm. of love for a a man who is violent yeah, through this mm-hmm. situation with Debbie and Pete, but it's not it's just not handled well. Um, yeah, you know, and of course we see Angel be truly feral. I mean, that little bit of yeah. blood on his lower lip. Because
1: why? Like, yeah. did he eat? Well, a I mean, Buffy hit him. Oh, so that's I don't true. know. I don't know if it's supposed to be because okay. I think when he comes out, like he doesn't have the blood on his face. Okay,
0: All I think right. it's because Buffy hit him. I was kind of hoping that he cut himself shaving,
1: but <laughs> <know>. <laughs> because because after hundreds of years in a demon dimension, <laughs> do vampires not grow beards? Do their beards
0: not grow? Their hair doesn't grow. I don't understand. Like, there's no there's no
1: continuity of like vampires. I get All I, right. I guess there well because I don't know. he'd have to be shaving. I mean, there'd have to be enough <laughs> civilization in the demon dimension that he could, you know, get a regular order from Harry's razors or something, <laughs> you know. And uh <laughs> <laughs> they got DemonAmazon.com, which actually is exactly like Amazon.com in, in our world. Yes, <laughs> um, it's the same Amazon.com. It's the, same, the same evil, the same evil just traveling across mm-hmm. dimensions because it's not enough to conquer all, you know, retail in, in one universe. Um, but, uh, all
0: those independent <laughs> demon bookstores are going under. I mean, that's really <laughs> exactly. like, oh my God. tragic. It's so it sad. Tragic. It's so, so sad. But I don't, like, I don't understand what's going, I mean, I think we're not supposed to understand what's going on with Animal Angel, but, like, I don't get it. Like, does he come, he breaks out of his chains, sort of, but then does he come to the high school because he's coming to Buffy? What, Mm -hmm. is there a metaphor here that I'm missing? Like, is there a metaphor in Angel using the chains Buffy used to restrain him in his animal form to kill Pete in his animal form like what is happening what is happening yeah
1: i don't know you kill the beast and the man (laughs) i guess and then like i guess there's that like you know but the thing is you're also killing the man
0: right right (laughs) the boy and we're not gonna talk about the fact that angel kills this human when he's supposed to be like sympathetic
1: like not well, that, I, mean, I mean, he kills a human, but the humans killed other people and has also done it in a way that while it's not technically demon, he's in a demon form and he is human coded as demon. Like once you're evil and you're going to hurt people and you're not going to stop hurting people, then there is kind of free reign to just, you know, take him out. Um, and and also I think that Angel is feral. Angel is not in command of himself at this point, like, as much. I think that he did come to the school because he was looking for Buffy. He can smell her. I mean, let's not forget, he's got that, that vampire <laughs> sniffer, Vampire right? sense of smell, yeah. Um, he's, okay. he's a hound dog for Buffy. So uh, so he finds her, and I can't even imagine. Like, first of all, it's during the day, and he doesn't have a shirt on. Like, how'd he get there? Like, I mean, he's, he's feral- but he can plan a route underground
0: you know? no, it's, <laughs> like, no it's at night by that point because oz has changed yeah oz has yes changed. no
1: you're right you're right you're right yeah, yeah, yeah. no you're right i take it all back i take it all back <laughs> don't at me everybody's gonna yell at me um pay attention Lonnie. pay attention um this is your show that you like get with the program right <laughs> this is my show that i like and i cannot remember every single detail about I mean, but all of you guys can and i think that that's awesome um so, yeah, I mean, he's in animal form. Pete is murderous. And anybody who's murderous, I think, at this point, like, becomes not human, you know, for the purposes of is it a bad thing to kill a human, right. you know? Um, whereas, you know, what we could have done is knocked him out and got him into detox, you know and let him live with his shame. Yeah. Um and uh, and that yeah. kind of thing. But we're not interested in that. Um so you know and I love though when Angel, you know, he kills Pete and then he devamps and he turns and looks at Buffy and then he says her name and cries and falls to the ground in front of her and that is so touching yeah that moment is so oh my god while well, playing close, close your, your eyes, eyes. <laughs> oh my god it's like they're trying to kill me you know what i'm saying and then they're back in the mansion and she's watching him reading jack london like whatever like that right. is that is so wedged in here. In the opening, when, um, when Willow's reading it, I buy it. Passion. You know? But Buffy is not a Jack London... She's not even no. reading. It's like she's memorizing and saying it to herself. And it just clunks. I would so much rather not have the callback. You know how I love a good bookend? Oh, yeah. Not have the callback. Just have her sitting there silently watching Angel while he sleeps. You know? Yeah. Um, and trying to deal with everything that's going on in her you know huge cement mansion. And speaking of cement mansions... Sometimes we all need a cement mansion in which to chain up our feral vampire ex-boyfriend who just returned from centuries of torment in a demon dimension and that does not come cheap. We here at Chiprish Media need your support in order to bring our shows to you free and ad-free while still enabling us to take care of all our feral vampire care needs and to bring you shows like Still Dead about Angel the series, hosted by me and Dr. Kelly Jones. Listen up a-holes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. Orgasm about explosive inspiration from Dr. Kelly Jones and our own Noelle LaCroix. And our Star Wars podcast, Metaphors Be With You, hosted by Rob Hyret. Aside from the comforting knowledge that they're keeping Chipper shows available to everyone, patrons also get to join in our Discord chat where really smart people who love stories go above and beyond what we can viably discuss in our shows and correct us when we forget, you know, little details. (laughs) Patrons... Or basic Like facts. when the sun goes down. Whatever. <laughs>
0: whatever. Sunset. Patrons, you <laughs> cannot
1: expect me to keep track of sunset. I'm sorry. Okay. Patrons also get access to exclusive content like Two Host Minimum, our upcoming patron exclusive podcast where we mix and match Chipperish hosts to talk about patron requested movies, books, and TV shows. If you got a few bucks a month, you can dedicate to keeping Still Pretty Lousy in Chains and Mansions. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish and become a patron. All right. So, next on our list of next. terrible things. I guess we got to talk a little bit about
0: Sam. Why is he even here? <laughs> I mean it. I no, know. I mean it. Like he doesn't even make an attempt yeah. to watch Oz. He takes the book Willow hands him mm-hmm. and uses it as a pillow. First thing. Like he doesn't right. even he doesn't even pretend. Right. And he doesn't even try to stay up. He doesn't even try. We've seen him do the right thing and help mm-hmm. out his friends. You know, a couple of times, but it seems like Mm -hmm. more often than not, Xander is just being horrible and saying the wrong things. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked on Still Pretty about him being the Joss Whedon self-insertion character. Um But Mm -hmm. our friend Rob Hyret of Metaphors Be With You suggested that Xander might also be a fan insertion character. Oh, interesting. That his job... At least at this point. Like, I always feel sort of weird when I talk about, like, what a character's purpose is. Because, of course, we go on such a journey with everyone on this show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Xander's job at this point is mainly to pal around with Buffy and her kick-ass friends.
1: That's a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought about him as fan insertion, but he's not magical. He doesn't have superpowers, right? He's mm-hmm. he's like the ordinary person out of the group. He is the only ordinary person who remains ordinary for the run of the show, pretty much, aside from the occasional, you know, being possessed by hyenas and stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a fan insertion character, absolutely, I can see in that way. I think
0: that's an interesting idea. And I also think mm-hmm. it's interesting to note that he starts out as the sole male Scooby, mm-hmm. who is allowed into this world of girl power you know and one girl in all the world mostly because he's known willow since they were five right which Mm -hmm. raises the question for me would xander be a scooby if buffy hadn't befriended willow
1: i think he would and here's why um because he's the one who overhears that she's a vampire slayer when in the library and it's him confronting her about being a slayer that brings him into the group because he knows the secret so he can be useful. So I think that he would have, but I think that having um having kind of an access pass through Willow um also brings him in.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. That yeah. I mm-hmm. mean
0: he does he does end up having knowledge. Um, not, you know, not in the book smarts way, but he knows things that, and in fact, it's called out and made into a joke frequently when Mm -hmm. he has an idea or he has a thought, I'm having a thought.
1: You know, that's like a Xander thing. Um, yeah. Oh, he's got the soldier knowledge, yeah, which comes in handy every now and again. That's right. Right. Um, and also, like, he, you know, and eventually, of course, becomes the carpenter who keeps fixing up the house because the house gets destroyed every week. Right. Of you course. Know? Because- um, like, season four and above, he he fills that role. But mostly, like, his role is to be kind of the heart and the emotional connection. But that really doesn't come in until later in the series. So in these early years of the series, I would say the first... You know, four years. Um, He's he's mostly the joke guy. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy that gets the funny syphilis, right? Yes. Um, Oh God. (laughs) Syphilis is hilarious. Butt monkey. Yeah. (laughs) God. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I think the um, that that idea of of fan insertion that he's the ordinary person that we could imagine ourselves being, and then through him we get to hang out with Buffy. Yeah. You know, we get to be part of the crew. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, I think that, like, for for me in this episode, Xander, the opening was annoying. You know, the whole thing with, with Oz and the Full Monty. No and homo. All of that homo. Immediately falling <laughs> oh, asleep and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but Xander's uselessness at the morgue, you know, <laughs> while Willow has to keep it together to inspect a dead body that her boyfriend might have mauled. Pisses me off. He's like, a, he's not just even a dead, like, he's not helpful. He's actively deleterious. <laughs> yeah. He's a goddamn dead weight, you know? And the only thing he does is catch her when she faints, which I guess is somewhat useful, but it's only because he happened to be standing, but the more she landed on him, yeah. you know, than he necessarily caught her. Um, And, uh, and yeah, so I don't know, Xander in this episode is just w- kind of annoying.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do, there's a, there's a satisfaction for me when Giles yells at him.
1: Yes, I
0: love he says, that. He said, "Well, and Oz was here when I, <laughs> Giles just woke up, woke up, just like uh, loses uh, it." Uh,
1: uh, but uh, I mean, uh, uh,
0: uh, Sandra I don't Bradley, blame him. Like,
1: come on, man! And you know, and Willow, and this is the thing, and I think this is why it makes me crazy, right? because Willow's taking on this responsibility 3 nights a week she's up all night staying with Oz taking care of Oz you know uh, making sure him. he's okay <laughs> she asks she asks him to take over one night one night and it just reminds me of that moment in the office <laughs> when have you ever seen The Office yes. when um, Angela's cat dies yes. and Dwight kills her cat and she's like I've had this cat for 17 years and she was fine I asked Dwight Schrute <laughs> to take care of her once yes. and she's <laughs> dead and it's exactly that experience of like I ask you to do this thing for me one time and like I think a lot of us have had that experience mm-hmm. with various people in our lives <laughs> you know yes who, who yeah. maybe have difficulty, you know, with basic things. <laughs>
0: responsibility,
1: basic responsibility, responsibility and type like, tasks, you know, yeah. just being able to be there, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I asked Dwight Schrute to take care of this cat once. And she's dead. And that's just kind of like that same experience. And Willow, like, not completely going off on Xander is a missed opportunity here. Uh I really want her. I mean, she's more concerned about Oz, and I get it. She's focused on Oz and on taking care of him, and that's okay. But I really want her to, like, threaten to kill him at this point, (laughs) you know? I will magic you so hard. (laughs) I will magic you. Just wait till I get my powers, (laughs) man. You're going through life with a tail (laughs) and bunny ears. (laughs) Of course, would have seriously freaked out Anya when we get yes. there. But
0: yes, oh my god! Oh, will we introduce a wonderful character in this episode just to kill him? Yes, Mr. Platt. Oh no, of course I love.
1: Mr. He's a Platt. person of color, right? All your gays have to die. All your yes. people of color have to die. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean,
0: my god, I love, right. I love Mr. Platt so much. Mm-hmm. Um. Smoking in his office would have been weird in 1998, though. I think it would have
1: been, though, right? Yeah, it would have been really
0: weird. Like, I remember, I remember in the, like, especially in Southern California, in the Mm -hmm. late 90s, I want to say that was where you could, that was when it started to be the case that you could smoke, like, nowhere. like There was nowhere indoors. Yeah, because California
1: California starts this shit and then it runs through the rest of the country. (laughs) (laughs) California and New York will sometimes depending on who's in charge, like follow up and then it kind of like squeezes out through the middle of the country. It just kind of flows from each coast. Yep. Um, But yeah, like that, you know, like it was so weird. And I realized that they did that because they wanted to have the cigarette that had burned all the way down as like a timing, you know, for him. Yeah. Um, Which also was weird because how in the world do you manage to get mauled while staying? I think you yeah. maul somebody without disturbing their cigarette.
0: Yeah, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like the only
1: thing I could think of is that Pete in his rage, he killed this guy and then just started up a cigarette and stuck it in his hands and let it run Yeah, no. for dramatic effect yeah no. i don't know yeah i know there's really no way to pull that <laughs> off but how how you managed to get mauled and not disturb cigarettes I mean, you know like i i used to smoke cigarettes and i'll tell you something like you those know you're fragile you look cigarette. at them wrong yeah. <laughs> that, that, that line of ash first of all like even if you are perfectly still getting a line of ash that runs through the whole thing just like that's not easy to do. But yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. The, the whole thing. We're spending a lot of time on something that really doesn't matter. And, what matters is that we have a very cool character of color and we kill him before the episode is out. Like,
0: And he's fantastic. And I love him so much. And I, I love know. the way he speaks to Buffy. Yes. You know. Yes. He changed. He got mean and you didn't stop loving mm. him. So yeah. good. So good. So, so mm-hmm. good. Because like. That's a real thing. And then when yes, Buffy it absolutely when is. Buffy comes back to talk to, like she has decided that she's gonna tell him. And mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, props to Sarah Michelle Geller, who's got the like freaked out shakes. Like the, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but I'm about to say it. And oh my God. She is so
1: good at emotional stuff, man. She sells that. go
0: on such an emotional journey Mm -hmm. with Buffy in that scene. And I'm just like, damn, damn. But what is she going to tell him? Like, what is she really going to be like? Okay, so this guy, this mean guy. Was a vampire with a soul, and then we had sex, and it was amazing. And then huh? he lost huh? his soul, and then he killed a bunch of people. And you know, like, what? What it? I, I
1: mean... think she was just gonna tell him that the mean guy was back and let it go. With oh, that. all right, That's... all the detail would have taken way too long. He okay. would have gone through four or five cigarettes, all right, time. okay. Yeah.
0: But I just like because, just like, you know, don't you dare fall in love because then something real bad's gonna happen. Yeah, don't, don't have mm-hmm. somebody you can talk to. Because if you've right? got somebody you can tell all the things to, oh, that person is doomed. A
1: person is right. fucked. don't don't casually befriend the heroine. Right. The titular heroine right. of the show. Because you will die. Yeah. Because you, know? yeah. Yeah.
0: you are you yeah. are fucked.
1: Fucked. Yes. Unless you're Scott Hope. In which case, you don't die. You just stay there, being really <laughs> annoying. What? Oh, we're not up to what? flowers, are we? Did I miss flowers? And I'm like, after the clottering misfire, this is probably, oh, by the way, I've just transitioned. Us no, into it's hating totally fine. Hope. Everybody no. stand back and just, Uh-oh. it's going to be a rant. Here we go. Um, yeah. So after the clottering misfire, it's probably a good correction, you know, but I'll, like all the things about Scott Hope, I freaking hate it. I hate he polices her food choices. You know, she's like, I need jello today because I had a rough night and I'm like, Somebody stake this guy, please. I don't care that he's human. Like if Angel like given between Pete and Scott, feral Angel killing Pete <laughs> could have detoxed him, could have redeemed him, fine. No. Go for the throat on Scott Hope. He's just the absolute literal <laughs> worst. I wanted to tell you that you look great today, but now I want to change that to amazing because you didn't so sleep well. And I'm like, gross. Fuck that is so gross. You. And he's- how you. How she looks does not define her value or magically make her feel better from having a rough night. You know, I mean, my God, and like, well, you feel like crap and you had a rough night, but you're still visually pleasing to me. So I hope that makes you feel good. No, no, hope I, it doesn't die. I'm uh, There's something about
0: his affect that I really yeah. do not like. Like I was I'm thinking about these yeah. lines, like when he when he comments on her three kinds of jello, which, first of all hilarious totally hilarious i love the three colors of jello and then you know there's oh i like she's
1: like this one has fruit and it's got more and he goes
0: those are marshmallows but you know when he says when he says like whatever it is i can't you know i can't approve that lunch or i can't you know (laughs) nutritional demerits those lines delivered by someone with like i mean i love to hate on xander but nick brendan does that goofy I'm making yeah. a joke kind of... I'm making a joke because I like this person. He could person make that kind of work. Like, I feel like Scott's lines delivered by Nick Brendan could have worked. And that it's... We've got... Well,
1: but... There's
0: just no... Yeah, but
1: Sanders also earned, like, that space with Buffy. You yeah, know? but I just like, mean,
0: like, a, like, the goofy guy, like, the guy yeah, who is insecure yeah. so he's funny... Because he's insecure. Can pull off that
1: charm. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I don't think... This is... He's no poor man's Chandler. That's got hope. Yeah. <laughs> this, I'm blaming <laughs> the actor, basically, is what I'm right. saying. Like, he's... He is a very... He's a very attractive young man, but I don't think he's got the the acting he doesn't chops. have the
1: charisma it's He not does there. not have the charisma to be able to pull that off to be able to make it self-effacing in any way instead it comes off as just obnoxious yeah, like i like you know?
0: the line about these people aren't actually my friends i just hired them because i thought you'd like me better if i had friends like right i can see the reading in which that's very funny yeah but it doesn't land like none of scott's lines land as anything well, funny or charming. Yeah, and
1: partially because they're not actually characterizing him. They're just slapping on this cardboard. I mean, he might as well be just wearing a mask. Yeah, that he's, says, you know, he's like, a
0: cardboard cutout. Fun, charming guy. I said it last week. He's a, he's he's a, a floppy-haired
1: douchebag. <laughs> That's what the floppy-haired <laughs> douchebag is. We bring him in, He's supposed to be all charming and funny, but he's not. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, like it's just it's just obnoxious. He's written and I to absolutely be charming,
0: and there's no charm. All of it. There's none. Mm-hmm. And it's there's just none. annoying. Just get him off yeah. the
1: screen, please. It is really annoying. Oh. But you know who's great on screen? Who? I love doing these segues. It's really really fun. Is Faith? <laughs> I love Faith so much. Faith is fantastic. <laughs> We don't get a lot of her in this, but she's fantastic. Although we do play the virgin horde dynamic with her and Buffy, which I find kind of interesting like at this point faith is still on the good team right she's mm-hmm. still a good guy and she's representing this like sexually free kind of thing you know we have her where she's saying when you think about him do you get that good low down tickle and buffy's like i guess but how low and faith goes you tell me and buffy says how about not right how about that and and is so the most have...
0: flirtatious interaction ever like do you see oh, how yeah. flirty they are with each other oh my god sorry yes every that's my ship i've owned it but i mean oh, Oh, yeah. Come on. Like No, I mean Buffy that... getting
1: the low down tickle from Faith, I get it. You know <laughs> But
0: but the way that like and I think it's it's faith. Maybe Fl- Faith is just flirtatious with everyone and that's just what she does. But I love the way she's like doing mm-hmm. the thing with Buffy where she's like looking at her but not looking at her. Do you know this oh, yeah. you know this? The
1: like I'm I know what you're yeah, talking about. No, and there's there's wild chemistry between these two. I mean, it's just like her with with faith And her with Scott Hope, like, the difference is tremendous, you know? And I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. But we've got this, like, you know, Faith is wearing these dark colors. All of her clothes are super tightly fitting. Uh, Most of it that is available, like, you know, that's been approved by standards of practices is actually (laughs) see-through. She's got this really dark, dramatic makeup and the full hair done. And Buffy, who is, you know, sexually demure... And who's not gonna and sometimes craves a non fat yogurt. (laughs) Like that is Buffy, right? And she's wearing a baby blue sweater over an outfit that covers everything but the pigtails like basically (laughs) like that's it you know um and so we have this like dynamic between them like the good girl you know the light girl the blonde girl right Mm -hmm. is uh, demure about sex and she's very like whatever and she's our heroine we can't have her interested in sex without love or you know metaphorical marriage which is what we had with her and angel right um you know and then you've got faith who is wild and dark and almost (laughs) naked as often as possible like <laughs> as often as she can get away with on network TV. And um and the whole thing, like playing out that virgin whore dynamic in that scene with Buffy and Faith, um, is is weird for me. Like I don't know. And especially yeah. Buffy's wearing a baby blue sweater over like basically a black outfit and I'm thinking okay if you're out patrolling yeah and you want to blend <laughs> right, right don't you don't you take your black sweater with you Ew. like you know so I mean the, the whole thing is like oh no Buffy looks you know like dark so that she might be the kind of girl who's interested in sex let's put a 1950s twin set on her yeah and that fixes everything yeah. like, it's so weird it's
0: very it's it's really it's really bizarre, and but it's yeah. also kind of wonderful. I love Faith. Just whatever you know, it's fine. Like, she, yeah. she, like you know, they're patrolling, and she's like, "What is it? Do you ever catch kids doing the ditty out here?" <laughs> just right. I love, I, I love the number of ways Faith has of talking about sex without actually saying yes. fucking. Like she's like, well, right. no." Like, there's one point where she says, "Where they screw it."
1: And love this one. I love
0: that. I love that so much. Yes. And Oz's pause in that moment, he's like, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Like, the, the pause <laughs> is just a
1: little bit longer. And you can, you could, you tell. know, what? he's like, huh. it's not judgy. It's not judgy. He's considering. Yeah. Huh, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, no, <laughs> so, I mean, I his so. response, the read on that line yeah. seems like he's like, yeah, I don't think yeah. so. But, you know, interesting idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I love, I love Faith. At this point, just being really happy to be, you know, included in the group activities. Yeah. Like, I love yeah. I love how capable she is with that Trank gun. Especially oh, after yeah, Buffy shoots
1: Giles. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Oh, God. And can we talk about Giles a yes, little bit? Yes, we need to talk Giles- about Giles love him. In, I love when he yells at Xander in the yes. beginning when he comes in. Oh God, I love when he comes in the morning after Buffy came in at night and relieved Faith uh-huh. and did all the research and he just comes in with his coffee, quietly <laughs> opens the door for Oz without looking because Oz is in Monty mode, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> And then just walks over, sees Buffy, goes and wakes her up. And it's so incredibly sweet and like dad, you know, he's in this wonderful dad mode. And it's just lovely.
0: Dad Giles. I
1: love Dad Giles. Dad
0: Giles might be my favorite Giles. I mean,
1: we get music. I'm a big fan of Sweater Giles (sighs) that we get in season four. Sweater Giles. Sweater Giles is so fun. Sweater Giles drunk (laughs) is like my favorite. Favorite. Uh, 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 I think it's in I the I feel episode. like we need, I think it's in something blue when we get there. Oh my God. But I'm, I'm going to need a, a chart of I the giles's
0: We need to like rate all mm-hmm. of the giles's on a scale. All of the giles's <laughs> I know. Perfect happiness. And Dad scale of is
1: Right up there, though. <laughs> Dad Giles. Dad Giles. Awesome. The way
0: he just sweetly unlocks the library I cage know. and just sort of, he sort of I smiles know. down at Oz like, aw, I isn't know. he cute? You know, like, I, know. I love it. I
1: love it I so much. It's so great. And another moment that I really loved in this was Oz. Right when he's when this oh, guy man. when Pete is coming at him, yeah, and they're, he's getting beat up, and then he sees the sun go down. He's like, "Time's up. Rules change." Yes. And I freaking love that moment for him because he's so. You know, he's so quiet and sensitive and like smart, like all these really, really wonderful things. But he's not like a kick ass person. Like that's not what he does. That's not who he is. But in this moment where he is essentially powerless against this powered person who's beating the hell out of Mm -hmm. him and it's and this is turning around like you can see in him, you know, that he's he's not he's 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 gentle, but he's not weak in any way. You know, and I freaking love that. Oz is just, Oz is
0: wonderful. And his, the emotional journey that we go on with Oz and Willow really about, you know, did Oz kill somebody? You know, I love, (laughs) I love Cordelia, ever tactless. Oz (laughs) ate someone last night. And then just, but, you know, to really, you know, we really see Oz and Willow go on this journey of like, whoa. It's mm-hmm. entirely possible. And then yeah. and Oz taking it, you know, he's hurt, but he doesn't take it personally that they're, you mm-hmm. know that he's I'll go lock myself in the cage, you know, he's just, yeah, oh, it's it's so difficult because he wants to help and he wants to fix it and he wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But in this case, he may not be able to do the right thing and he may actually be the one who's at fault. And then, Oh my God, poor Willow! When she mm-hmm. when she cheers because it's a
1: kills in oh, the day monster. <laughs> like, I know. I'm just, it's a day monster. It's a day you monster. know, and
0: then she's like, "Oh, uh, it's horrible, horrible, very sad."
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. just,
0: but she self corrects. Yes.
1: But yeah, but I'm with mm-hmm. her,
0: so you know, just like the oh no, like oh, no. no.
1: And it's so sweet, too, because then Buffy's like, no, it's OK that you're glad that it wasn't Oz. And you can see in her eyes she doesn't know that it's not Angel. Well, no, she's you know? glad they know that it's a kills
0: in the day monster, which means it's not Angel. Yeah. Right?
1: Well, no, because I mean, Angel can go through the sewers oh, and he can true. get inside the school. That's you true. know. So, I mean, it's still okay. possible. All right. You know. All right. But, but I mean, I think it, it probably relieves her a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe a little but bit. But not a hundred percent, you know, I mean, he can come in through the basement or yeah. whatever. So, yeah. But again, yeah. you know,
0: we've got that, like that missed opportunity of the mm-hmm.
1: parallel
0: with Buffy mm-hmm. and Willow, you know, of the, this person that I love is a monster and a killer. And yeah. what do I do? What do how do yeah, I reconcile? And how do you ride that line? You know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, as long as we're talking about Werewolf Oz and Willow, Willow mm-hmm. pulling Oz's tail to get him off of Faith <laughs> is the best. <laughs> is it, I I don't know why it delights me so, but the yank on the tail and then run to get him. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I love, I love a werewolf. I love a good werewolf. Oh, and okay. our werewolf has gotten a makeover this season Uh uh-huh it's a A little better it's a different werewolf um so maybe i mean maybe the the previous werewolf was more of like the larval stage of werewolf Mm -hmm. Uh, well you know you evolve you do you evolve right you You know as you
1: grow and get older you change i imagine your werewolf self would too yeah
0: yeah maybe so but it's a much, it's a much better werewolf. I like yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> even though it's mostly a wild dog, but you know, whatever. So wild dog
1: right. monkey
0: thing. It's whatever, whatever. Right. I dig it. I give it a pass. I love it.
1: I love it. Well, speaking of better costumes, what are you wearing this week, Noel?
0: Well, you talked about it a little bit already with Buffy and Faith. You know, being opposites once again, and mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of meaningful clothing choices other than. Angel's pants and boots because Angel's you know, sudden, we... sudden mystery <laughs>
1: pants, mystery the magical pants. pants that come from you know. standards and practices, and just you know, yeah, exactly.
0: Right. <laughs> but I absolutely love that Willow's forensics kit is mm-hmm. in her Scooby Doo lunchbox. Yes, mm-hmm. so
1: perfect! So, so perfect. No. I love that, which of course leads us into our girl power moment of the week, which like Willow in the morgue pulling a full scully that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but then she faints, and I don't know. I, Why do they make her faint? I think because, I mean, we have Cordelia put the, the punctuation on it, which is, you know, this guy was mauled by a big animal. And yeah. It really, like, I think the idea is that it doesn't look good for Oz. It really looks yeah. like
1: this is yeah, the work but, of you know, a werewolf, but... No matter how many times I watch this, my first response is, oh, she's pregnant. <laughs> because of the woman... <laughs> If a woman of menstruating age either throws up or faints, ooh, she's pregnant. <laughs> and they don't do like the first sign, which is the fucking headaches, right? You know, Like, I want to have a woman realize she's pregnant because she's got a bunch of headaches because actually that's what happened to me.
0: <laughs> or, you know, your breasts grow a size overnight. Right. Did right. you get that? It was like, what
1: the fuck is this? <laughs> what is happening with this shit? Yes, exactly. My God. Yeah. All right, Noel. What's your favorite part of Beauty and the Beast?
0: Faith spinning punch when Buffy surprises her. Her seam- uh, the seamlessness of it. She is rocking out, having her solo dance party in the library. Something comes up behind her, and she just punches it it makes me right. so happy punch first ask questions later <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and it delights me to no end it's
1: delightful
0: yes what's your favorite part of beauty and the beasts
1: oh god I, I you know i gotta say i fall for it it's emotionally manipulative i don't care <laughs> i'm signed in i don't care um i'm <laughs> here for it angel saving buffy and then falling at her feet crying and broken while close your eyes please fucking close like they're your specifically eyes trying to kill me it's the close your eyes when close your eyes starts playing and she's just standing there and he is weeping into her torso oh my god it's it's uh, rough
0: it's great and you can see on her face that she can't tell anybody she's just is like I don't uh, how do I do this I don't know what to do uh, oh god oh. it's so wonderful
1: it's so (laughs) wonderful. All right, that's it for today. Join in the discussion on Twitter. Follow me at Lottie and Rich and Noelle at Noelle Aloud. And use the hashtag #StillPretty To show your support of Still Pretty,
0: write us a raving review on iTunes. Or you can keep chipperish media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lottie and all the chipperish patrons who may be cold-blooded jelly donuts, but their timing is
1: impeccable. Visit patreoncom chipperish to find out more. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by Chiprish Media producer and by far the most brilliant, attractive co-host I've ever had on a Buffy podcast, Noel Lacroix. Noel supports Chiprish Media. <laughs> Thank you at the power producer level, and as Ward gets to shoot Giles in the ass with a tranquilizer. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all of this possible. Visit patreon.com slash to find out how you too can become a still pretty producer.
0: We will be back next time with Homecoming, the fifth episode of season three. three. Yeah! Until then, great. Now we're going to be stuck with serious thoughts all day.